On this week's episode of the Sad Pacers Fan Podcast, we'll be breaking down week three of the Pacers season, positive and negative trends, and we'll be praising the second most clutch Pacer of all time. Before we get into the action, we want to talk to you about our new YouTube series, The Saddest Moment of the Week. The Saddest Moment of the Week is a weekly series where we highlight the lowlights of a particular player or moment from the Pacers week. In episode one, we're taking a look at Tyreek Evans' wet fart of a return from suspension. Just go to YouTube and search Sad Pacers Fan Podcast or visit the link in our Instagram bio for the full video. And now, for perhaps the last time in this iteration, Victor Oladipo. Seven. Here's a three by Oladipo. Oh, he hit it! Victor Oladipo from three-point range! And the Pacers have a one-point lead! Coming to you live from the Baja Blast Crave Cave Satellite Edition in beautiful Plainfield, Indiana. It's the Sad Pacers Fan Podcast. My name's Joe Cohen. I'm joined, as always, by Christian Arvin. Christian, you had some thoughts about the theme music. Yeah, Joe. Um... I think uh, from what we saw on the court last night, it might be just about time that uh, we think about a little remix, a little rehash. Yeah, I think I think we need to do a little Beyonce upgrade on the Sad Pacers fan theme music, specifically the clip. So uh, make a note, this may be the last time you're hearing this theme on the Sad Pacers fan podcast. Who knows what you're going to hear next week? Christian, before we get going into the game that everyone wants to hear us talk about, uh, which is the Pacers versus Celtics. We're going to do a quick overview of the week that the Pacers had. Uh, the Pacers went 3-1 and one on the week. They started out with a loss to the Portland Trailblazers, following that up with three straight victories against the New York Knicks on national TV, uh, the Chicago Bulls, and then the aforementioned game last night against the Boston Celtics. Let's talk a little bit about the negatives of the week, and we can draw a lot of our negatives from that game against Portland on Monday. Uh, for me, the the biggest negative that I've seen this week, and I think it's reared its ugly head in all of the, all of the games, has been falling behind early. Um, so why don't you run us through a little bit and talk about how falling behind early in a game can really impact the team for the rest of the game. Yeah, um, falling behind early is, is one of the cardinal sins of basketball. Now, it won't bury you right away, um, but it always makes things just a little bit harder. Um, coming out of the gate, you always want to start hot. You want to uh, be able to set the tone and set the pace uh, of the game. And when you fall behind early, it kind of throws you out of that game plan. Um, furthermore, and what's more concerning and, and maybe less sustainable um, because especially with a couple of those games where we fell behind early, they were against teams of, of lesser talent, and so it was easy for us to climb back in. But coming back takes a lot. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of effort. Um, and so when we get into games where we're playing against stronger competition, um, that could be a real problem moving forward, that you have to expend a lot of energy to try to come back from a 10, 15 point deficit early in a game. Um, and so it's a little concerning, you know, that if that trend continues against better teams, we're going to waste our energy getting back in the game and not have enough to, to push it over that final little edge and finish the game out. Yeah. And speaking to your point even more, uh, we take a look at uh, some games that the Pacers struggled in the first quarter this week. If we look against Portland, the Pacers were down seven at the end of the first quarter. If we look at the game Friday against the Bulls, 
that one was pitiful to watch. The Pacers trailed by uh, 15 at the end of the first quarter. And then even last night in a fairly competitive game against Boston, the Pacers trailed by 10 at the end of the first quarter. And I think it's just unfair of the team, and especially your second unit, for the starters to dig such a big hole in the first quarter. Um, We've seen some pretty good bench play from the Pacers. That's going to be one of the positives that we talk about. But digging those early holes for the team, expending too much energy trying to get back into the game, hopefully this isn't a trend that continues for the Pacers because it could really hurt them in the long run. Let's talk about another huge negative that we've seen. And this one is a little bit of uh, a paradox. Uh, And that's the perimeter defense for the Pacers. And the reason I say it's a paradox is because if you look at uh, statistics such as defensive rating, the Pacers rank in the top 10 in the league in defensive rating. They are a good defensive team. Um, We've been forcing teams to play down to our level of pace. Uh, The defense is really held up in the paint. But what we're seeing is a lot of open shots from the perimeter. Uh, Where are some weak points you see this happening on this Pacers team? One of the things that's been really super frustrating as a fan to watch is that um, not only are we seemingly consistently giving up uh, a lot of threes, but that the defensive scheme is not adjusting for players that are hot. Um, We saw on Wednesday night on Halloween, uh, things were getting spooky uh, because Tim Hardaway, the junior one. Did you know? That he is Tim Hardaway's son. Tim Hardaway Jr. This is according to Quinn Buckner, so I who knows if it's true. But Tim Hardaway Jr. is apparently the son of Tim Hardaway. Yes, so we all know Tim Hardaway. This is the junior one. The junior Tim Hardaway. Um, but he lit us up um, from three in that game. Uh, and he was continuing to hit three after three after three, and it seemed like no matter what happened, he was able to find a way to get space and and hit shots. Um, and that was really frustrating to watch and see um, as, I, as I pull things up. Um, Tim Hardaway hit with seven of 11 from three. Now, that's a really hot night shooting, but still, at one point, after a guy hits three or four, I'm making it a point as as a coach to make the adjustment or as a player to say, okay, I'm going to stick on this guy and make sure that he doesn't hit these shots. We saw uh, the Pacers get torn up from outside again the next in our next game against the Bulls um, by an unknown player. This Blakeney kid um, comes out of nowhere, comes off, off. Of, off of the bench, and he hit um, three. Um, Justin Holiday too, hit five. Uh, in three-pointers in that game, and it just continues to frustrate that these players are getting and knocking down these shots and that we aren't defending them as well as our defensive statistics suggest we should. I think that another big part of it is that Nate McMillan is still kind of experimenting with the lineups that he likes the best, and he does have a major issue on his hand, and that's uh, the emergence of DeMontis Sabonis and needing to play Miles Turner big minutes because he signed a big extension. So what Nate has done is he's put out some lineups where he's playing uh, Sabonis and Turner together. Now, in theory, this seems nice. You you want your best players on the court uh, as often as you can. The problem is those are two guys who are used to protecting the paint, and they're having a real issue switching on to faster players on the perimeter. You're rarely going to play a team 
that's going to play as physical inside as the Pacers would with Sabonis and Turner on the court at the same time. Yeah, and I guess we're kind of we're kind of hurt too in a sense that we don't have a ton of really fast athletic wings. We start Boyan Bogdanovich on the wing, um, and while he's a great player, uh, I don't think anyone would would uh, describe him as a fast twitch athletic guy. Um, that's up there and competing with the best. And so I think that kind of hurts us too, some of that athleticism out on the wings. One of the things that does kind of concern me about that is that we're putting together these lineups with players like Miles Turner's, um, or Miles Turner's, who is that? Multiple Miles Turner's? Uh, Miles Turner, uh, Demonta Sabonis, Thad Young out there. You would think that in a, situ- in a in a lineup that contains those players, we would be dominant um, off of that. But the Pacers sit here and they're ranked 26th in the league in defensive rebound rounding percentage. So um, while we've we've kind of sung the praises of Domas um, and his rebounding ability this year, as a team, it's an area where there's still a lot of room for improvement. Um, t- 26th is not where we want to be in terms of defensive rebounding. Um, so I'd really like to see Uh, the team be able to clean that up uh, and and pull down those rebounds. And speaking to uh, things that rebounding leads to, uh, the Pacers rank dead last in the league in pace. Some fans like this, and that's fine. The the place where I'm kind of at with pace here, Joe, is that in one hand, we've had for the past couple of years, the, the front office, Nate, the team, talking about upping the pace. And we've talked about this before on the pod that we discuss and talk about upping the pace, and yet nothing ever happens. They need to make a move like they did a few seasons ago when they proclaimed that they wanted to play at a faster pace and then signed Al Jefferson. That was just an impact move. Yes. Way to get faster. Now, here's where I am on this. I'm actually, I am totally fine with us playing this slow. That's fine. We just aren't a team that's going to play fast. So what we as fans have to do is we just have to know that if they talk about playing fast, picking up the pace, trying to be a quick team out there, look at how the team is constructed. Bojan Bogdanovic is not going to beat many people in a race. Sabonis is not going to beat many people in a race. Miles Turner is not going to beat many people in a race. We are just not a very fast team. Darren Collison probably will because both of his parents were Olympic sprinters. Uh, But... I didn't know that. Yeah. That's pretty sick. I'm almost 100% positive. Um, let me double-check myself on Google now. While you're double-checking yourself on Google, let me sort of back you up. I'm not advocating for the Pacers to play at an insane speed. That's not what I'm trying to say. Uh, my my hope is the same thing I hope uh, for like a player like Miles Turner, that the Pacers pick a lane and they become elite at that skill level. So if they're going to be a team that's going to be dead last in the league in pace, at least have a purpose for being dead last in the league in pace. What we've seen so far this season, the Pacers are 7-3 and three right now with some big wins against teams like Boston, San Antonio, and Memphis, is that they are bringing teams down to their pace, and it's working for them so far in the season. We're only 10 games in. Hopefully that trend continues. Did you find out about DC's parents? Uh, his his mother uh, ran for Guyana uh, in the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles. Um, 
his Wikipedia page just mentions his parents as elite track and field athletes. So I don't know about his father, um, but to, to the, for them to both be elite track and field athletes, um, he's got good genes when it comes to the fast twitch of a, of a sprinter there. Uh, were either of his parents elite at domestic abuse? Because Darren Collison is. All right, let's move on to some of the positives that we have seen in the Pacers. Uh, let's go ahead and start with, uh, you want to start with the bench? bench play love the bench play and I think that for me and this has stood out all season and I may be just tooting my own horn because I kind of made this prediction but Sabonis has been awesome this season uh, and he kind of uh, had a, a peak midweek so far against uh, the Knicks where he shot 12 of 12 from the field I think he put up 30 and I'm not sure how many rebounds he had a double double nine yeah, oh, I, th- I remember hearing okay. they took one of his rebounds away, so he just missed out on gotcha. the double-double. Massive, massive night for him. He just seemed absolutely unstoppable inside. He's shooting really well at the free throw line this season. I think on the broadcast last night, they said he's at like 81% from the line this season. If you have a big man that can that can score inside, he's going to shoot over 60% inside uh, this season. And if he's going to hit 80-plus percent of his free throws... He is a serious, serious piece to this Pacers puzzle, and he's going to help them go deep into the playoffs. Yeah, uh, I I mean, that game that he had Wednesday night against the Knicks, um, I can't remember everyone that was in it, but they put up a graphic Friday night before the Bulls game um, about players who had scored 30-plus on a perfect night of shooting. And I remember players like... um, Carl Malone, um, he was in some pretty elite company, uh, historically speaking, uh, with that performance that he had Wednesday night in the mecca of basketball at, at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, whether Pacers fans like to admit that or not, it's the most famous basketball arena in the world. Not the world's greatest. Not, not the world's greatest, we know but, what the that most, is. but the most. But the most famous. Um, so he put up a massive night there. Oladipo hit some very, very clutch shots there. Uh, The Pacers kind of battled back against that Knicks team. And that brings me to the second thing I want to talk to, which is the Pacers' resilience. Um, We can take Monday's game, ball it up, throw it in the trash. Um, The Pacers got beat by the Blazers. The Pacers shot themselves in the foot. That just wasn't a great... uh, That wasn't a great game on Monday. But what we saw in the three games following that were... Pacers falling behind at one point, and then battling back to win a game late. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the resilience of the team. Yeah, I mean, this is some of the resilience that we already mentioned when we were talking about falling behind, that um, especially with like the Bulls game, when we got down big early, uh, it would be very easy for a team to just be like, ah, it's not our night, we're going to lose this one, and just pack it in and not fight back. Um, but they showed that they are ready to go out and compete, that they are serious about really wanting to make some noise in the East this year, um, and, and they're going to fight and scrap for every single win that they can get. Yeah, and speaking to that, when, when a team is battling back in a game where they've dug themselves a hole, it's important to take every chance that you can get in those games. Uh, we've seen some disappointing free throw shooting from the Pacers this season, but this past week and specifically the last two or three games, it's really improved. Um, you Do you have the free throw statistics pulled up? I can get them, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we've seen poor shooting really all year. Uh, I wrote down when I was watching the game Wednesday the um, 
the game against the Knicks, you know, I was disgusted um, by the free throw shooting performance that we put on. Um, And we bounced back really strong. Friday night, we shot 20 of 22. It's 91% uh, against the Bulls, which is huge uh, in a game that's a two-point game. Um, With how poorly we've been shooting free throws this year, that made the difference. Um, Last night is probably more of a regression back to the normal. Um, We shot 76%, 19 for 25. But that is an acceptable free throw shooting rate. Yeah, I think if as a team you're hitting three out of four of your free throws, I can't really complain about that because not everyone on your team is going to be a great free throw shooter. The thing we like to see is someone like, like we mentioned, Demontis Sabonis, shooting above his expected free throw percentage. Uh, 81% is well above what he's expected to shoot from the line. What we need to see is someone like Victor Oladipo making those shots, and he's been better at the line uh, the past week or so. So that's encouraging to see. Um, we're going to go ahead and move on to our discussion of the Celtics game and the Pacer of the Week. We're going to combine that. Uh, shouldn't be a surprise who the Pacer of the Week is. We will reveal that right after this. Today's episode of the Sad Pacers Fan Podcast is brought to you by Broken Anchor Soap. Too often, we as consumers neglect to take a close look at what our products contain. Broken Anchor Soap has taken the initiative to ensure that the soaps, lotions, and conditioners they produce are not only all-natural, but also ensure that all their ingredients are ethically sourced. They're in producing handmade, vegan products that clean, moisturize, and care for your skin and hair. Broken Anchor, never able to be held down. Christian, I enjoyed some Broken Anchor soap yesterday. As did I. As the listeners of the podcast know, the loyal listeners of the podcast, which means that you listened to last week's episode, uh, Christian and I both competed in the Indianapolis uh, CNO Financial monumental half marathon on November 3rd, 2018. Afterwards, went home, gave myself a nice scrub down with a broken anchor bar. Mm-hmm. I used that uh, that orange citrus. It's got a little exfoliating. I love that. Uh, what did I use? I used something uh, with like a rose scent. I, I like the flowery scent. Every rose has its thorn, baby. I like those. Um, so we can really attest to the softness of... Uh, and the exfoliating nature and the skin-loving ingredients that are in Broken Anchor Soap. We can also vouch for our other sponsors. Christian, your belly is a little bit full of our other sponsors. Do you want to talk about our other sponsors? Joe, my belly is full with Impossible Sliders from White Castle. My thirst has been quenched by a nice tall boy of Baja Blast. And to top it all off, these are very tall boys. Rather tall. To top it all off, my heart overfloweth with the Pacers and their basketball that they're playing. And some of you may be thinking, wow, are they really sponsored by White Castle and Baja Blast? Yes, just because they don't answer my DMs doesn't mean that we're not sponsored by them, okay? Just because we still pay for all their products doesn't mean we're not sponsored by them, okay? It's 2018. This is a flexible relationship that we're in with our sponsors. So, uh, White Castle, Baja Blast, we appreciate you, and we want to thank you for sponsoring us. It's the same kind of flexible as how we can have a podcast that's both sponsored by Under Armour and announcing one of our newest sponsors, Nike Running. That's right. You were referred to uh, by a spectator 
at the Monumental yesterday as what? Uh, I, so I was, as I was running, um, I, I heard a guy in the crowd that just said, yeah, way to go, Nike man. <laughs> <laughs> to this guy's credit, you did look like Nike man yesterday. <laughs> you were 100% Nike decked out. But hey, that's all right. We are still in partnership with Under Armour as well. We do still get free things from Under Armour. We can get free things from lots of people, and we can buy for other things that we call sponsors. Yeah. It's okay. It's flexible. So, and shout so just a reminder that this podcast is also brought to you guys by Rockstar Games. Go out and buy That's Red right. Dead Redemption 2, <laughs> but don't be late to practice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shout out Rockstar. Shout out Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, shout out... Nike, shout out Under Armour, shout out Baja Blast, shout out White Castle, and shout out Broken Anchor Soap. Now let's talk about our Pacer of the Week. All right, we're back, and it's time to award our very fourth Pacer of the Week. This one, so, so obvious. Victor Oladipo, check your mail because you are the Pacer of the Week once again. Our first our first repeat winner. Back-to-back, back, baby, just like Drake. Um, Vic wins Pacer of the Week for the second time because he has just had a ridiculous week. He's had a ridiculous couple of weeks. Uh, I think he's currently on his eighth consecutive game, scoring 20 or more points. He had two games this week where he hit clutch threes to seal the deal for the Pacers. And last night against the Celtics, he made the game-winning shot and the game-saving steal. Uh, I'm willing to go out on a limb and say that in his second season, he's played, what, less than 100 games for the Pacers, probably? Yeah, he's probably right about—he's probably actually right around 100 now by this point, with seven games in the playoffs— and we're seven games into here. Right. I guess he didn't that play put the full him, 82 last year. That's true. So, yeah, he's probably in the 90s, mid-90s, low mid-90s. Okay. so Great movie. <laughs> just under 100. Another sponsor? Another sponsor. <laughs> Mid-90s. Thanks, Jonah. Shout out Jonah Hill. Just under 100 games. I'm willing to say that Victor Oladipo is the second most clutch pacer in history behind, obviously, Reggie Miller. Uh, Vic just has a knack for making extremely extremely timely clutch plays on the broadcast last night they shared a stat that last season Victor Oladipo uh, made 16 clutch three-pointers last season and they define clutch as the score within plus or minus five points within the last five minutes of the game Uh, those are clutch threes he hit 16 I think this season if you include the game winner last night he's already got five and we're 10 games into the season uh, my one of my biggest fears this season was that Vic was going to have regression, and he, I think, is showing the opposite of that. He's showing a progression early on this season. Yeah, I mean, he has come through clutch moment after clutch moment, and after the week of clutch gameplay that we've gotten out of him, uh, earlier this week, I was ready to unleash and dawn on him my newest nickname, um, and that Victor is is no longer Victor Oladipo, but is now Victor Big Ball Oladipo, because that boy's got some cojones. They are Sam Cassell sized um, onions, <laughs> grapefruits. Victor Oladipo, like I said, check your mail. Your prize will be coming soon. Um, 
Any final parting words before we get out of here, Christian? Oh, let's talk about the schedule. Let's talk about our schedule yeah, this week. That's ahead. what we were going to talk about. So the Pacers have uh, their toughest week of the season coming up in a season that's already had some tough weeks. Uh, hit us with the schedule for this week. So over the course of the next seven days, um, it is Sunday right now that we are recording. Um, Monday, we will play um, at home uh, against the Houston Rockets, uh, who are off to a slow start, 3-5 and five right now, but... They've been James, putting it together lately. James Harden just came back from injury last night. They're a good team. We already know that. Wednesday, the 76ers, um, a tough Eastern Conference opponent. Friday, the Heat. Um, and then, in case we had missed them, we're back to playing the Rockets Sunday, six days after we pay, play them um, at our place. We take a trip down to Houston um, and play down there. That's going to do it for us this week. Um, uh, for Christian Arvin, I'm Joe Cohen. We're, we're just, just trying, trying to, to pod, pod good. good.